1989 movement is a historical moment in China, and at the time, not only students actively joined the protest, and a lot of civilians from all walks of life all supported、uh, this movement. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, December first. I'm Samantha Sharis, and that was Dr. Sean Lin. He is joining the podcast today. He served as a U.S. Army officer and microbiologist, and also survived the Tiananmen Square massacre back in 1989, more than 30 years ago. He shares his experience on the ground in Beijing, and also gives us some perspective into what's happening in China today. We'll get to my conversation with Sean Lin right after this. Conservative women, conservative feminists—it's true, we do exist. I'm Virginia Allen, and every Thursday morning on Problematic Women, Lauren Evans and I sort through the news to bring you stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. That is, women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. We talk about everything from pop culture to politics and policy. Plus, we bring you an exclusive interview with a problematic lawmaker or conservative activist every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. Search for Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts, and we are also problematic on social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram. Dr. Sean Lin. Is joining the podcast now. He served as a U.S. Army officer and microbiologist, and survived the Tiananmen Square massacre in 1989. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Samantha, it's my pleasure to join your program. Now let's go back to 1989 before we talk about the unrest that we're seeing unfold in China and even throughout the globe today. So, what was it like during the Tiananmen Square protests? The 1989 movement、uh, is a historical moment in China modern history, and at the time, not only students、uh, actively joined the protest, and a lot of civilians from all walks of life all supported、uh, this movement. At the time, I think the main theme is anti-corruption,、uh, because uh, uh, after the Cultural Revolution ended, yes. The Communist Party allow a certain levels of、uh, economy reform, so many of the party elites quickly get rich using their privilege, using their powers. So、uh, immediately, the Chinese people see the the society become polarized, and the Communist Party elites getting so rich so fast, and so I think it triggered a huge. Um, anger against the corruption level at the time, but now they actually now the corruption is even much bigger,、mm-hmm. much bigger scale than the, than the 1980s. But at the time already triggered a big protest. So at the times、uh, you got support from all walks of life in China basically. So the protest in Beijing it was the it's like、uh, the main、uh, main hub. For students from different part of China to to、uh, to go to Beijing to voice their、uh, protest together, so I was a, a freshman、uh, at Zhejiang University at the time, so I also got an opportunity to、uh, went to Beijing to join the protest, and it was very very impressed because you see people、uh, supporting the students、uh, gathering in the Tiananmen Square. 
And so even on the way to the Tiananmen Square, you see other civilians, uh, you know, as long as they see, see you a student, as long as they see you are heading to Tiananmen Square, they're passing you water, they're passing you food, they encourage students to, to, you know, stay on the uh, Tiananmen Square to continue their protest. Uh, it was a very, very touching moment. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your decision to go to Beijing and support these movements and this protest, uh, you know, back in 1989. I mean, were you scared of being arrested? Like, what was your mindset at that moment? I think at the time, uh, just like uh, young people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no knowledge about uh, the brutality of the government. So you don't have too much fear. Uh, when you go to Beijing, you just feel something important happening in China, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Beijing especially. So I want, just want to go there to visit. But in uh, in Hangzhou at the time, there are also uh, smaller scales of protests. So I participate that earlier. So I see uh, it's an important and righteous cause. Uh, you know, people call for freedom of press, freedom of you know speech, freedom of uh, assembly, as well as uh, anti-corruption, you know, mm-hmm. to end uh, the the Communist Party uh, uh, elites ruling the society or things like that. So I think it's righteous cause. Even just from your you know basic co- uh, common sense as a young people, uh, you know you feel this is important. I want to join it. So, uh, so I took a chance to to take the train to to Beijing to join it. Yeah, but you don't know enough the cru- uh, cruelty the Communist Party mm-hmm. can enact on Chinese people. Yeah. yeah, that is so incredible. I uh, I, I you know haven't. Covering and, and, and looking at the protests that are going on in China right now and just have been amazed by the courage and the bravery of of these people um, that are standing up to the Chinese Communist Party. Um, before we talk about present day, uh, I, I just want to ask if you, you know, going back to 1989, you know, to present day, uh, what changes have you seen um, over the last, you know, decade few decades um in, in china and respect to their rights there yeah i think it's actually a uh, huge change in in china and actually today's uh you just saw the uh news that the former leader jiang zemin uh, yes. passed away in china right so actually uh after 1989 uh that jiang zemin came into power and then uh next 13 years he in power and then after the after him, Hu Jintao, but Hu Jintao still in the shadow. Uh, Hu Jintao still being controlled by Jiang Zemin. So Jiang Zemin is actually indirect control or in indirect control of the China. And so for more than 20 years. So it's a huge change in China because overall, uh, during the Jiang periods, uh, he emphasizing Chinese people, you just need to focus on uh, getting rich, getting money, regardless of the means that you uh, you can take and so he basically he ruled China using corruptions using corruption to to make sure the uh, Communist Party member stay loyalty to the party and they using corruption to uh, to bribe the, the social elite uh, the intellectual elite uh, or uh, kind of different level of the uh, government systems uh, also using the corruption to make sure they follow his order even in the uh, 1989, when he persecuted Falun Gong, he established the 610 office that specifically 
responsible for uh, persecution of Falun Gong, right? So that system is actually totally out of the legal judicial system. So he can enacting this kind of system using the money to bribe these um, uh, officers in the judicial system to uh, to carry out a crackdown policy. So basically, he emphasizing the Chinese society, you know, just focus on GDP's growth and regardless how much sacrifice on the environment, on the uh, social um, uh, social improvement, or many other things you can sacrifice as long as you get a good GDP, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, you, you quickly uh, bring the whole morality of the China uh, down very, very fast. So you, nowadays, probably international society knows China always have some fake products coming out, right? Stealing intellectual property, all these kind of problem. But that was triggered after 1989 uh, persecution, after Jiang Zemin came into power. The people were encouraged to just focus on profit, focus on your interest. And so regardless of any means you can use. Mm -hmm. So I think that after that, there's a huge decline in, in morality in China. So also they strongly suppress people's freedom of speech. So nowadays for young people, many people don't know about the Tiananmen Square massacre. Mm -hmm. right? So I have no idea that Chinese government actually used tank to crack down a student mm -hmm. protest. So this is a, a very, very uh, different uh, generation now. So it's actually very surprising to see now young people actually has the courage again to, to come out to mm -hmm. protest, even call for a step down the Communist Party. I think probably things have both sides, right? The, mm -hmm. the students have no idea what happened in 1989. So they don't know about the cruelty as well, just like me at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So these younger generation now, they step forward. They, they want to uh, call for a step down Xi Jinping, a step down the CCP, because many people still have no idea about the the brutality the Communist Party can do. And in the last two decades, you know, so many crackdowns against like underground Christians, against uh, uh, Uyghurs, against Tibetans, right? And against Falun Gong. So many of the young people, they don't know because mm -hmm. the government now has established digital totalitarianism. They control the message that people can receive. So it's more, more uh, intricated brainwashing than before, before the 1989. Because uh, in the 1980s, uh, the, the press environment was relatively loose. Uh, so the Chinese people can still see some, you know, foreign uh, informations. And so now it's just so tightly controlled. People were uh, locked down more tightly. You know, visually we can see, like, under zero COVID policy, Chinese people are locked down in their house and home, right? But I think in the ideological world, in the... In the mind, in the in the psychologies, Chinese people were also locked down for mm -hmm. a long time because they cannot access to free information for a long, long time, and they've been brainwashed. So this is the overall situation. I think it's very, very different than the situation in nineteen eighties. Yeah, and and I'm also curious too. Um, you know, when you were uh, you know a freshman in college, heading to Beijing, um, you know, to support these protests. Was your family supportive of you? Like, what what was their reaction to you know you participating in these protests? Well, <laughs> they don't know because my family, uh, they didn't know that I went to Beijing. Uh, uh, my family is in uh, Fuzhou, uh, in Fujian Province, down in the south. So I'm, okay. I'm I attend a college in in Hangzhou, is middle near Shanghai. So I think if, if my parents know I'm heading to Beijing, they probably will try try to block. <laughs> but you know, for young people at the time, you you just need to uh, <laughs> need to go go for 
<laughs> follow your heart to go to see、mm-hmm. what was happening in Beijing. But it's a it's a it's a huge huge lesson I never forget because、uh, you know you you see、uh, when people united how much power it can be, and then you also witness the、uh, the, the crackdown. And、uh, you know I personally I witnessed the tank rolling on students' heads. You know you you can't believe these and. You never forget about this,、mm-hmm. and you understand the the dictatorship, the evilness of the Communist Party right away. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been really、uh, eye opening to see even I mean less, much much less graphic、um, than than someone having their head run over with a tank and and just seeing people being carried away, being arrested. There was one image that I saw of someone. Um, who was being arrested? He was being carried by,、um, you know, police officers.、Uh, he was protesting over the weekend.、Uh, it's really, I mean, it, it's it's good that these images are getting out, that are being able to spread around the globe because people are taking,、um, you know, action. And just earlier this week in Washington D.C., there was a candlelight vigil for the victims of. Of、uh, the the apartment fire, and you know, people were rallying, calling for the end of the the CCP and Xi Jinping's,、uh, you know, reign、uh, as their leader. So、uh, it it definitely is, you know, becoming at least for right now, you know, a global a global、um, calling. And you know, over the last few days, in response to China's zero COVID policy, as we've been talking about, there's been these protests and. You know, what are your thoughts on on what we've been seeing now, and how do the two uprisings, you know, what you lived through in 1989, compare to what we're seeing today? I think at a time in the 1980s,、uh, people definitely were very, very angry and upset about the corruption level. But、uh, at a time, nobody even talked about、uh, to totally、uh, disintegrate the Communist Party to call for. Uh, step down of the Communist Party,、uh, people still give them hope, right? They still, people still hope、uh, someone like、uh, Zhao Ziyang in the Communist Party systems can still have open-minded, can do good things for the people.、Uh, but now, thirty-three years later, I think people are totally、uh, disappointed and totally uh, uh, lost any confidence on the Communist Party. So now, people are challenging. The legitimacy of the Communist Party's ruling, and this is fundamental different. And I I think the Chinese people have suffered、uh, so tremendously in the last、uh, two three years under the COVID lockdown. So many people lost their jobs. So many people very hard to maintain their、uh, living standard now. So their anger has been、uh, accumulated to an unprecedented level. So that's why I feel this time is very different, and、uh, to me it's more or less like、uh, it's like、uh, in the nineteen seventy six when Mao passed away, when、uh, Zhou Enlai passed away, and so I I think China right now is facing a big, uh, uh, very very important moment. The society become very very unstable. The Communist Party ruling is one of the、uh, at least one of the weakest、uh, moment. Even though Xi Jinping has all the Uh, power in his、mm-hmm. hand, but I think he's very, very vulnerable, and he's facing、uh, strong challenges、uh, inside the party as well. And and people、uh, will continue protest in different way. And I'm very, very impressed that Chinese people now can have so many creative way to show their protest. 
And and also also one thing is very very different is that now thirty three years later people have the cell phone in their hand right in the nineteen eighties if the Communist Party control all the media people have no way to uh to express their angers uh quickly through the internet right they cannot spread the message widely so at the time it rely on international media to cover it but now I think with the cell phone the messages the 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 brutal image that you just mentioned can be、mm-hmm. quickly. A share worldwide,、uh, so I think this is uh, uh, a different uh, level of a、uh, protest, as it were, different level of information exchange. So people can be waken up much faster than before.、Uh, mm-hmm. I remember in the nineteen eighty nine, actually, you know, one of the most difficult thing after the crackdown happened is that the、uh, Chinese Communist Party、uh, using their own propaganda machine to create a different narrative. For the、uh, student protests, and then on the second half year of the nineteen eighty nine, all the Chinese people were forced to toe the party line to to buy the Communist Party story about what happened in the Tiananmen Square. They called it a political turmoil. They put they mentioned that someone want to throw the government. You know, it's、uh, the government say whatever they want, and people have no way to get the information. And even if I was a The direct eyewitness of the brutality. When I went back to my hometown and I went mentioned to people what I witnessed, many people still doubt because they don't see it.、Mm-hmm. It's not like nowadays. If you see the vi-、uh, the video, right? If you share the image to people, many people start to to see right away.、Uh, at the time, it was very difficult. So now, I think even though the government have very very、uh, complete control of the society through this digital totalitarianism system, but at the same time. Uh, people can waking up much faster than before, so I think、uh, the power of people will be manifest in different way, and it will be very creative and will be very fast changing in China as well. But at the same time, the Communist Party won't let it go easily, so I actually think、uh, brutal suppression waves is coming, but in probably in different form as well. And we saw the news that the Shanghai police is uh, actually. Uh, Checking on many people's、uh, cell phones to try to see if they are engaged in the protests in the last weekend. So they have these different digital tools now, but I think it will also further trigger more angers against the、mm-hmm. Communist Party. Yeah, it's been really interesting, you know, watching、uh, these protests and and you talked about like different you know creative ways that that people have been protesting, and we've seen images of. White blank papers,、um, you know, pieces of paper.、Uh, a few people had them on Monday、uh, at, at the protest, and with all of this、uh, pent up anger against the Communist Party and Xi Jinping, is it likely that we see any, you know, major changes in China、uh, if Xi Jinping does potentially give these protesters what they want regarding, you know, like zero?、Uh, Covid policy,、uh, you know, easing that up. What does that then say about his leadership?、Uh, you know, Xi Jinping has <laughs> a nickname. is called the、uh, the general、uh, accelerator. Right, <laughs> he's accelerating the the collapse of the Communist Party, and so <laughs> I think any re-、uh, leader with a rational mind might think about.、Uh, To give something to the, you know, to the people to ease the anger, maybe loosen up the、uh, lockdown policy somewhat.、Uh, but I'm kind of doubting Xi Jinping will do that. He's very stubborn one.、Uh, he can、uh, stick to his zero COVID policies, and he can、uh, enforce the crackdown policies. He can even 
Uh, there are rumors talking about it. Um, he may put many out of the big city in in uh, two weeks lockdown in order to uh, to uh, to screen through the people who join the protest. He may do something like that to further trigger the anger because he still feel he he's in control. Uh, but I think in different regions, uh, many many of the local leadership maybe have totally fed up with this uh, mm-hmm. situation. Uh, many of the police may not support uh, the the crackdown policy. They may not uh, implement it. And also, uh, the central government pretty much uh, pushed the uh, problem down to the local level. Right? Central government, uh, in one hand, they're telling we need to stick to zero COVID policy. And, and the other hand, they're telling them uh, you cannot uh, uh, elevate the level of lockdown. So the local uh, Communist Party uh, government system have a, a very difficult situation. Uh, so they probably want to uh, somehow have a compromise in between. Uh, so it, it's very for very very difficult for them to mm-hmm. really really following the central government's uh, policy. So I think uh, it will also further uh, triggering um, local Communist Party uh, leadership to. Uh, betray the central government's policies. Uh, it will f- c- further create more uh, conflict cracking inside the Communist Party system. So I think it will trigger faster change inside the Communist Party. So more or, less, more or less, I think uh, for Chinese people, for Chinese students nowadays protest, whether they're inside China or outside China, I think the key is that they need to just express their um uh, uh, anger or distance, uh, discontent against the current policy uh, in different ways and it don't have to be very, very, uh, uh, how to say, uh, to, to, to do a grand scale, a very, very coordinated protest. You don't have to do that. As long as you have a way to show your uh, disagreement, it's an encouragement. I think the key issue is more Chinese people breaking away the fear that the Communist Party had implemented in people's heart for decades, you know, through so many political movements, through so many different kinds of persecution, many Chinese people already have that fear against the Communist Party for a long, long time. And now it's a chance to break away from the fear, to show your disobedience against the dictatorship. I think this is the process. And for many people, it may take some time. And now it's just the beginning. And more and more people can show their disobedience, then China will have a bigger change. Mm-hmm. And from your perspective, what would you like to see happen in terms of the global response to what is happening in China? Like we've talked about, there's been protests, and um, you know, there's been gatherings of, of people coming out in support of uh, the, the protesters and their mission in China. But you know, from uh, President Joe Biden, for example, or other um, leaders throughout the world, what would you like to see done? Well, I think the leader in the free world need to be more courageous, uh, need to uh, make very strong statement to support Chinese people's uh, uh, the freedom of expression and the freedom of protest and need to send uh unambiguous message to Communist Party uh, to warn them to not take any extreme measure to crack down the protest. Uh, I think uh, need to have 
uh, a great message sent to the Communist Party to tell them if you do anything extreme, uh, you will uh, suffer more consequence, direct consequence. You know, maybe even for example, uh, I, re uh, I think when in the Trump administration, when um, the consulate in Houston was locked down, it was a huge blow to the Communist Party. So I think international leader can think about some strategy like that. If you continue to crack down the students' protests or if civilians protest, many more countries can shut down more consulates, uh, communist parties consulate in their countries. You know, so give the message to the communist party. Uh, they will be further isolated in China and do more sanctions against the communist party elites. I think it need to be more uh, straightforward as well in maybe some economic sanction as well. I think need to be for do it for real. And right now, I'm a little bit disappointed that the current uh, Biden administration still pretty much just deliver a lip service. I don't think that's strong enough. No, Sean, just before we go, I'm not sure how likely it is that this podcast will reach the ears of protesters in China. But if you could share a message with the people on the ground, what would that message be? I would say uh, their protest is historical. Uh, it's very inspiring. Uh, they need to keep on uh, uh, their great efforts to wake up more Chinese people, to help more Chinese people break away the fear against the Communist Party. And the truth will shine. And the evils always try to hide, try to use all kinds of disguised ways to deceive Chinese people, make Chinese people believe uh, this is uh, so-called COVID policies is uh, for pandemic control. No, that's actually totally lie. It's basically a way to establish uh, control in the society, more complete digital totalitarianism against Chinese people, and Chinese people are being treated like animals. And so these are the reality. And don't believe any words regarding about uh, using different uh, tactics to do pandemic control. This is totally lie. They are basically using this way to maintain their power. Uh, I think the communist China uh, is in the process of uh, completely uh, being completely collapsed. So I think the Chinese people are doing the rising at the right historical moment. Uh, they, just, they just need to continue and have the courage and the perseverance to continue protest. Well, Dr. Sean Lin, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us some insight into what you experienced back in 1989, as well as what's been going on over the last couple of days in China. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to my interview with Dr. Sean Lin. We'll be sure to bring you more updates on the unrest in China as it develops. If you haven't gotten a chance, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day, and we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.